Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang. What is up, hackers? And you're now tuning back into the show, and that's the Goalie Hacks audio experience, the Goalie Hacks podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and we are going to waste no time getting into it today because we have an absolutely stellar interview lined up uh, in today's episode, and that's with Jean-Philippe Lamoureux, a former junior and NCAA D1 standout turned professional standout, and has now played over 500 pro games in his tenure, and one of the most grizzled vets we've had on the show so far, and uh, JP just dives into his uh, in, into amazing detail, you know, about his systems, his processes, and the keys to his long-term success as a goaltender at the next level for uh, 20 plus years now. And uh, you know what exactly kids can do to help them prepare for challenges they'll face at the next level. So JP is just such a, a passionate guy, uh, uh, very passionate about goaltending and goaltending development. And I know you guys are going to absolutely love this one today. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. I know you're going to love the chat JP and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm super excited to be joined today by another active professional veteran. And that goaltender is Jean-Philippe Lamoureux. And after making his junior debut in 2001 for the Lincoln Stars, he went on to play three years in over 100 games with the squad, winning the Clark Cup in 2002 as well as the Goalie of the Year Award in 2003. And before moving on to play over 110 games for the University of North Dakota in Division I hockey, winning several championships and several personal accolades during his amazing tenure at the school. And he then went on to have a breakout rookie season in pro hockey, eventually accumulating over 120 games in the ECHL and the AHL. And since 2011, JP has gone on to play overseas, accumulating over 400 games in the top leagues in Europe. Uh, winning a championship as well as, as several personal accolades during his tenure. And JP has had just a, an amazing career, and I couldn't be happier to welcome him to the show to chat some goalie development today. JP, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, Mike, for the invite. Uh, I think it's a pretty cool thing that you're the with the podcast and all the different guests. So I'm honored that uh, I get to join the the illustrious uh, list of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, it's great to have you on the show, dude. And, and uh, you know, a surprise to, to get a message from, from you when you reached out to let me know that you tuned into the show and, and you know, can't thank you enough for uh, the support, man. Really appreciate the kind words. But I, I looked into your background and was like, man, we we got to have this guy on here. I knew you'd be an amazing fit for the show. So really appreciate you, you know, making some time, man. Happy we could uh, connect and get in and record. Yeah, like I said, I appreciate the invite. Uh, I I just love the overall message, um, what you're trying to do, and um, giving goaltenders um, different tools for their toolbox. And um, you know, I've been fortunate to kind of compile some years of playing, and um, and then almost ten years of of coaching now uh, for myself too. So yeah, hopefully I can add um, some little tidbits for the goalies that listen. Yeah, I think everybody will love it, man. But uh, maybe if you don't mind just detailing to everyone, you know, obviously you say you're still playing and you're still coaching as well on the side. And you mentioned prior to the show, you have your camps going on in, in Grand Forks soon, which you've been doing for quite some time. And it sounds like it's grown into be something amazing. But maybe you can just kind of detail to everybody, you know, the past year, uh, you know, some of the major challenges you've had due to COVID and, and how you've been able to overcome them. 
Yeah, well, just like everyone in the hockey community, you get blindsided with the COVID thing. Um, uh, my particular season, uh, I was playing for EC Salzburg in Austria, and that was in the what is now called the Ice Hockey League. So that stands for International Central European Hockey League. Nice. And uh, yeah, and we were heading into game four of the first round of playoffs. Uh, we were up two to one in the series, and then we get a call that they're canceling the season and then it's just a whirlwind to get everybody flown home. Um, and then the season. Wow. Was canceled. So like you mentioned earlier too, I, uh, I do five weeks of coaching in the summer. Um, when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm back in North America, that's uh, four camps in North Dakota and then one in Las Vegas. And, uh, we had to cancel three of those last year. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was just, just trying to restructure kind of, okay. You know, am I going to go back and play for the mm -hmm. same team? So figuring that out in, in last summer, um, you know, and we were fortunate to go back and play for uh, for the Red Bull program again. Um, I suppose uh, we we were one of the lucky leagues, I would say. Everyone else, yeah. you know, junior hockey, pro hockey, everyone else was kind of delayed. We actually started relatively close to on time. Wow. Um, so we reported for camp August 1st. I went through regular training camp, had a normal preseason, normal-ish, I should say. I mean, there were some yeah. issues, but um, just for us, it was constant testing, like testing weekly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we had issues, guys got sent home, and um, we did have one league shutdown in October uh, for about a month, and then we restarted and played the games. Um, it was a little bit of a condensed schedule uh, around Christmas time. But all things considered, our league uh, got a full season in. We did it with no fans. Um, yeah. We got a full playoff schedule in, and then we, we were able to award a champion. So all things considered, compared to everybody else, uh, I feel really, really grateful that uh, we, we got a semblance of a normal season. So, Yeah, man. Well, I, I know, like you mentioned, you're, you're going back to EC Salzburg. So wish you the best of luck as uh, – you continue your very long pro journey, man. It's been incredible. Uh, but but maybe you can just start off, you know, by briefly sharing a bit of uh, uh, of your background and your story and how we got to where we are today. Yeah, well, you gave me a pretty pretty nice introduction, pretty generous. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess um, for goalies who aren't familiar with me, because like I said, I'm a guy that you know, it's a career that you don't really map out. Um, I've been playing going on my 14th professional year. Only three of those were spent in North America. The, the, the other 11 have been spent in Europe. Um, I've only played in the uh, what is now the Ice League um, in Austria. And mm -hmm. uh, it's treated me really well. Um, uh, played, uh, was goalie of the year in the East Coast League, my first year pro. And then, fr you know, from that point, it was, okay, I, I really feel confident that I can play in the NHL. Um, yeah. but it just never really worked out for me as far as opportunity to play hockey. Um, mm -hmm. I had a goalie coach who, uh, I mean, everyone knows this name, but Ian Clark is probably one of my biggest influences just technically as a mm -hmm. goalie. And he was kind of advising me. He's like, I really think he can make a good career in Europe. So kind of with, uh, his nudge, I kind of looked at opportunities in Europe and, um, you know, and then it was just year by year, I kind of chipped away and and tried to earn a contract uh, year after year. I've only signed. So in my 14 years, I've only had uh, two contracts where it was more than one season. So right. it really is just, you know, you earn every contract. Um, right. Never really been a, uh, uh, 
a spot in my career where I felt like I was on cruise control. And I think that's a big conception with younger goalies who are kind of waiting to go into pro hockey is you get to Mm -hmm. sign this big long-term deal and you're on, you know, (laughs) your spot is secure and you can have these, you know, ups and downs. It's just for, for a lot of, you know, 99% of pro hockey players, it's just not the case. It's you you earn it every year. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And you kind of mentioned, uh, and maybe you can just talk about it briefly, you know, uh, before we kind of jump into your whole career. Um, you know, you talked about uh, this this idea of like making it right. You know, what what is success to you? What is success to somebody else? And we kind of talked about how everybody wants the jacket. Right. Um, but maybe you can just kind of talk about your career a, bit, a, a little bit more and, and go into detail a little more about this idea of making it versus, uh, you know, having a successful career uh, outside of the NHL. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, I get this question a lot, like with uh, my camps that I do, um, you talk to other goalies and, you know, when you're away from North America, people tend to forget about you. So it's interesting to see, like, it, it really is, it comes down to individual perceptions. So on one hand, yeah. if I played professionally for 14 years, that seems like a, a success, but I didn't play a single NHL game. So is that successful or is that not successful? Mm. Um but, you know, the questions I have to ask myself is, you know, I love the game of hockey. I love the process of getting better. I'm really mm-hmm. passionate about what I do, and I get to wake up and do that every day. So uh, for me personally, I feel really grateful that this is this has been my occupation. You know, I've been able to play hockey for a living. Um, I've traveled the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I get, I, I get to do what I love. So for me, I, I feel really grateful for the longevity that I've been able to achieve and um, you know, that, that NHL, uh, dream, which, you know, every, every player playing hockey, you know, that you still kind of hold on to an element of that, but, um, you know, it, it's worked out well for me. Um, I, I never really mentioned my size. Like I am very much an undersized goalie. I'm only, I'm barely five ten. Um, <laughs> I'm barely five seven on a good day. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, you, you, as a smaller goalie, and this is kind of a message that I, I try to relay to a lot of goalies that I see yeah. uh, in the summer is, you know, when you're a smaller guy, you got to, you know, at a bare minimum, do a time and a half more than all the bigger goaltenders. Mm. You know, our, our puck tracking um, has to be exceptional. You know, our, our systems play has to be really dialed in. Our compete level has to be higher than, than you know, all the other goalies in the organization. So mm-hmm. you can't... Uh, you can't really have any deficiencies in any part of your game. So, um, and you have to get used to that. You know, as soon as you start, um, I think feeling sorry for yourself, that it's not fair that undersized guys have to play mm-hmm. so much better. Um, you know, you're just going to waste, end up wasting a lot of energy. So you just have to, uh, you know, get back to uh, controlling what you can control. And that's always your effort and preparation. Yeah. No, I love that, man. Well said. And, and maybe we can just start off, you know, we'll rewind all the way back to kind of the the beginning of the next level of your career. So, you know, kind of looking back to when you first made your junior debut in the USHL for the Lincoln Stars, you know, what exactly was sort of the hardest part about transitioning to tier one junior hockey and where exactly did you start, uh, struggle the most initially? Yeah, well, typically you see, I think it's a bigger jump going from say high school or midget hockey to to the USHL than it is from USHL to college to a certain yeah. Um, but for me, it was just really feeling like, uh, you're playing with older players. Um, I turned, uh, my first year in the USHL, I was, uh, 16 to start the year, turned just turn, turning 17 during the season. Wow. And, um, 
and you know, you're, you're one of the youngest players in the league. So for me, it was just finding confidence. Like, do I really belong? You know, you, you deal with those emotions of doubt, anxiety, mm. fear, and, um, and just feeling like, okay, am I going to be good enough to play? Um, am I going to, am I going to get games to play? Am I going to get sent back to high school? You know, uh, all the what ifs, you know, all, again, of all course. things you can't control. So I think for me, it was, uh, you know, my dad was really great with, you know, I was talking to him pretty regularly and he was kind of help helping me uh, manage my emotions. Um, you know, at that time, there was really no goalie coaches in the USHL. So when you right. you're in hockey, you're on your own. And yeah. so I was just lucky with just having a good support system with my parents. Um, so how'd you kind of, how'd you kind of break through that, I guess? Uh, Cause you know, I mean, there's a lot of young guys that, that kind of feel that way like a little out of place so how do you work through that without giving up like you you know what i'm saying yeah so it's for me it's i've always had really really strong intrinsic motivation so mm. I, will, I was like okay i want to be here i want to prove i can be here and no amount of work um i, I will say no to and so that mm. was always been i think my biggest asset as an athlete was um i love the work i love the process of like i said earlier trying to get better i, I love that um, I really, uh, um, had a strong belief that I think I can be one of the best goalies in the league. Um, it's yeah. not happening right now, but I feel like that's where I can get. And I think that's what drove me through the first couple of months. So, um, I guess to paint the picture, when I arrived at camp in Lincoln, we had three goalies. We had one goalie who was a returning all-star whose name was Bo Fritz. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another goalie who was two years older than me, that was from my same hometown who was Mr. Hockey in North Dakota. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was a great goalie. Um, and we were kind of, we ended up being a tandem. So, but we started out the first two and a half months as a three goalie rotation. And I think what they were doing was our, our coach was just trying to find out, okay, who's gonna, who looks like they're going to be be reliable in the long term. Right. And what ended up happening was, um, uh, Nate Ziggleman, and we called him Ziggy. So Ziggy and I ended up staying, and they traded Bo Fritz to Waterloo. So then it was just me and Ziggy that were kind of rotating the for the rest of that season. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it was just um, you know little by little, it was like every practice, every week, every game, it was just earning more and more trust just because of the the work output that you put in. Right. And uh, and then just building a resume, kind of one game at a time that okay, he's putting together a pretty solid body of work. He's winning hockey games. You know, the, the, uh, your traditional goals against the save percentage are pretty solid. Mm. And it's just like, okay, I think we can move this guy and we can move forward. And then once they kind of made that trade, it kind of made me feel more confident that, okay, this is what the season is going to look like. Right. We're in this kind of pretty consistent rotation. Um, at the end of the season, it was, the agreement was, we're just going to, you know, if you win, you're in. And that's kind of how we rotated it. So mm -hmm. uh, that kind of gave me a lot of confidence um, towards the, you know, after the the Christmas break, I was like, okay, I feel like I really belong, but it's, uh, it doesn't start out that way. And I don't think it starts out that way where you, you enter junior hockey and you're super confident. Um, right. You're, you're going to deal with, you know, the big three anxiety, doubt, and fear. And for young goalies that are listening, it's uh, get used to those emotions. But um, kind of one of the, the messages that I've uh, tried to systemize for, for goalies is when you feel anxious before a game, um, that's a good emotion. Um, just make sure you respond to it the right way. Anxiety just means that you're mm. getting ready to do something important. 
And then you can right. use different tools to kind of bring your arousal level down a little bit. And then we can kind of find that, that flow channel that, you know, people like to call it different things, but flow or being in the zone or, yeah. or what have you. And, and finding that sweet spot between flow and, or uh, between anxiety and boredom. And that's kind of the sweet spot um, mm. for a mindset that uh, all goaltenders try to try to chase. Yeah, no, man. I mean, uh, you know, everybody kind of goes through those. It, it, confidence is truly built by, you know, realistically doing things you never thought you could do. You no, know? like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, when you're when you're when you're playing and, you know, there's a lot of kids out there. We, everybody has that self-doubt, like you said. But, you know, you have that intrinsic motivation. I, I would say I had a very similar thing, you know, and you're you're pushing, you're trying to find the answer and you're relentless and you're resilient and finding it. And then when you finally overcome that, like when they traded that goalie, it gave you that sense of confidence because you had earned your spot there. Right. Um, and, and I think for a lot of guys out there, you know, when you kind of face challenges, you know, you can't shy away, right? The challenge is the way, right? If you find a, typically the solution to your challenge is, is a solution and how you're going to get to the next level or how you're going to grow. So you can't really shy away from those things. Cause like you said, um, you know, being in that situation where, uh, you know, uh, maybe you can kind of dive into that a little bit this, um, because when you get to junior hockey, when you get to the next level, that's kind of what it is, right? If you win, you're in, I like how you kind of said that. So how do you deal with that anxiety and pressure as a younger guy of like, if, if you win, you're in, like, what's the process through your head that you go through to make sure you're staying anchored? Well, I like the way you phrased it earlier there, you know, the obstacle really is the way. And, um, you know, you, you as an individual, you, you, do, you control zero aspects of, you know, in my situation, it was a three goalie rotation. I have zero control over who starts, uh, like, you know, yeah. um, all I can control is, you know, my effort and, and, my, and my preparation for practice and games. That's all you can essentially do. And then, you know, game by game, I mean, even breaking it down, uh, into smaller pieces, save by save, you build your resume and showing that you're mm. a competent, reliable goaltender. And I think, uh, you know, the one of the biggest virtue traits that goalies need to, you know, keep repeating and reminding themselves is you got to have patience. Um, mm. You know, it was, it was, you know, like I said, two and a half months. So if you think about that, two and a half months, that's roughly between, uh, you know, 15 to 21, 22 games that we played with mm -hmm. the three goalie rotation. And that can get old, you know, so you're only seeing the net, maybe one every three, four games, right. Um, with three guys, you know, and that's, that's gets tough. You don't really find that rhythm, but you know, you, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here. Um, wh what can I control? And I think when you try to solve the, you know, when you're trying to win the championship in the first week of the, of the season or the first right. month of the season, um, you get ahead of yourself. Like it's great to have, uh, um, you know, high, hard goals or, or great stretch goals. Like one of the big things for me was I got educated early on, like, like how to set goals correctly. So right. for me, it's, you have kind of a stretch goal. And for an example, for, for younger goalies is, uh, you know, your stretch goal being, I want to be the starting goalie on my team and I want to, you know, win a championship. That's, you know, an idea of what a stretch goal is. Mm. But, you need to have systems in place to, to get there. Otherwise you're going to, you know, your, your road to that, to that end goal is going to be chaos. So you need kind of what are called smart goals. 
And that's kind of your operating system. So SMART just stands for, you know, you want, you need something specific. It needs to be measurable. Uh, then you ask yourself, mm. is it achievable? Uh, is it realistic? And then what's the timeline of this? So um, you're breaking down your goal setting into smaller controllable parts. And then what that does is that allows you to set a schedule. So for me, it was, I knew what my school schedule was. I had a very specific routine that I wanted to achieve when I was at the rink for practice. Um, I had my specific drills that I wanted to do so that I felt good in practice. And then, mm. um, you know, and then you get into your game day routine type stuff. So whenever we were on game day, you know, I was, uh, really disciplined with what I wanted to achieve with, uh, you know, getting ready to play. And then that helped me just be confident and ready. It was like when game, when the puck dropped, even as a 17 year old, you know, I was like, I'm confident, like I'm. I'm going to, I'm going to end up being one of the better goalies in the league by the end of the season. I, I, you know, it goes back to that intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. So I think for young goalies, it's, um, you got to have patience and you got to have grit through, through the struggle part of getting established and then right. dunk your big goals down into smaller, um, smaller checklists on your day-to-day week-to-week schedule. Yeah, I, it's something that, you know, kind of just came to mind is, you know, um, it, it is certainly uh, earning it. You know, every, everybody, uh, you know, wants the jacket and wants wants to get to that next level. But you got to be ready to get there. And when and you can never play. I always say this to you. Don't you can't ever play above wherever you are. Right. Like if I'm in this league, I'm like, oh, this guy, this opportunity, this that one, it's distractions. Right. But two you know, you, you got to kind of jump through the right hoops to, to get to the next level, right? When you get to junior, you have to win games to show the coaches you can win games. If you don't win any games, how are the, you know, the, where's the justification to keep you around, right? Yeah, and then yeah. when you win a few games and you steal some games, right? And you kind of got to jump through all the right hoops as you, as you go along. And I think that, you know, you said it, patience. Everybody's so focused on that end goal of NHL, right? Um, but they, one, they missed the whole journey along the way, which, uh, I think most guys would tell you they, they, they wish they rather enjoyed it a little bit more because it's for a lot of guys, it's over a lot faster than they think. Right. Um, but you know, it, it's just this idea of, you know, you, you gotta kind of, wherever you are, you don't play bigger than where you are. You have to prove yourself wherever you are. You have to jump through the right hoops and, and make people feel comfortable that, Hey, this kid can play. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think trying to tie it to NHL goaltenders, you know, in the right here and now, um, where, you know, an example to me would be you have immediate success in Spencer Knight playing for the Florida Panthers having just left college. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm not taking anything away from Spencer Knight. This kid, this kid sure. he's going to be a really good goalie for a long time. But as far as uh, going through a lot of adversity of, you know, having to be patient. He has, in my opinion, he hasn't really been tested with that. He, he definitely will. Um, I think everybody does, right? Like even the, the flurries and the prices, right? They all go through some type of spell, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's going to experience it in kind of in a different way, but most likely at the NHL level. And then compare that to a really successful breakout story this year in the Delkovich in Carolina. You know, his, uh, you know, he, he was, ba you know, ended the season yesterday, but um, burst onto the scene, you know, I think when I listen to commentators talk about him, they kind of were saying things like, uh, 
this guy came out of nowhere, put on a waiver sort of thing. But I look at like the bigger picture, like right. here's a guy who played five plus years, was a really accomplished junior goalie too, like a really good yeah. junior goalie in the OHL. Uh, really great numbers in the World Junior Tournament, um, but no uh, easy, quick path to the NHL for him. You know, five plus years in uh, in the American League. Um, finally, having like a, a great uh, breakout season in the American League where he was goalie of the year, and I believe they won the mm-hmm. Calder Cup in that same season, and that was I think two, maybe three years ago. Yeah. Um, and then this year, it's you know he gets his opportunity just through injury. It wasn't like, hey, we. Uh, you know, your goalie of the year, we're going to give you an honest shot in the NHL now with our right. club It that didn't work out. So it's just, you know, what is Nadelkovich's mindset through all that? You know, I would imagine that he's been ready for this moment for a few years, but this was just the, the timing of it um, presented itself. And, you know, he t- took the ball and he made the most of it. And it was one game at a time. And he, I believe he had like the best save percentage of all active goalies who played you know, 20 plus games this year. And, uh, you know, and he's a a solidified NHL goalie now and he had a wonderful playoff. I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, but I think that's two contrasts that at least your listeners can kind of compare. You got, you know, a fast track goaltender. Right. And, uh, but these guys ended up in the same place, right? They're both, Mm -hmm. uh, I I would imagine both those guys are going to be number ones in the NHL at some point in time. Yeah. And, And you even said it too, right? It's, um, you know, sometimes it's just out of your control, like in terms of opportunity, right? Like Spencer Knight, you know, you just set it into the NHL right away. And, you know, Nijelkovic, he's, you know, he, he's been proving himself for years and he finally gets that opportunity. So sometimes it's out of your control, right? I mean, maybe you can, you know, we were kind of maybe fast tracking a little bit, but maybe you can kind of touch on that, like, you know, in, in your mind, like why you made that transition over to Europe uh, kind of when you did. Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I think my biggest uh, kind of blemish on my career was my second year um, pro. And I was uh, I was coming off of goalie of the year in the East Coast League. And then I signed with the Buffalo Sabres. And then I was relegated to, I was going to be the backup to Jonas Enroth. Mm-hmm. He was a really great Swedish prospect. Ended up playing in the, in the NHL, as everyone knows. Um, yeah, I took, uh, I needed some guidance that season. And I, and like I said, I, I didn't have a goalie coach that year either, where you mm-hmm. kind of discuss, um, and I needed that patience and I didn't, uh, I didn't have it. I wanted it right now. Cause I felt like I had earned it. Right. Um, but, right. You know, like a lot of goalies who go through this, uh, you know, who go through the pro journey, um, the game doesn't care. They don't care if you've earned it. Um, right. you know, you're going to be tested with waiting your turn and, um, when I started that year, I uh, I didn't get my first real start, I think, until 17, 18 games into the season. Like, they were going to play the crap out of Jonas. Um, they wanted him in the NHL the next year. So, right. they, like, they were going to they were gonna play him a ton, so he got a bunch of experience in games. Um, what I needed um, from my role was, hey, you're the backup goalie. There's nothing you can do about it. But you need to play really well when you get in the net. And for right. me, it was – uh, feeling sorry for myself. I was, how am I going to play well when I'm playing the back end of the three and three? Every right. weekend? And it was, Jonas was going to play five out of every six games. And then I get the, uh, the afternoon game in Bridgeport, you know, and not feeling great and coming, you know, but you know, you got to embrace the challenge. Like you said earlier in the interview, you know, the obstacle is the way. So, if, you know, yeah. I, look at, I look back at it now where, you know, if I really embrace that role, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be great on these Sunday games. I'm going to, 
I'm going to be the guy that steals the win so that it's a great feeling going into the week. Um, you know, and what a difference that makes, you know, and then you build trust within the organization. Right. And, uh, I, I just, I just wish that, uh, you know, every player is going to have regrets as they kind of go. But for me, that's my biggest one. Um, but from that learning experience, um, I signed with Calgary the following year. And then mm-hmm. I was relegated again to, I was going to be kind of the middleman of, I was going to be down in the East Coast League and then um, up with Abbotsford at the time, who was Calgary's affiliate. And then I was back up to Leland Irving, who was, again, he's coming up on the end of his entry level and they, they really wanted him to play in Calgary in the mm-hmm. year. Um, and, uh, and I just embraced the role better. So I just, I took, you know, I kind of took my lumps in Portland and, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to embrace the backup role. I'm going to be, you know, it, you know, to me, it was embracing the little things. It was, Hey, I'm going to be really vocal on the bench and be super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, when Irv comes back, you know, TV timeouts, you know, I got the towel and water bottle ready, you know, trying to make him feel confident, you know, just trying to be an overall really positive person to be around. Yeah. Um, I was going to quietly go about my business. I was going to be really prepared and work hard and, um, and I think one of the things I was most proud of that season was I actually played off the bench a lot that year. And right, uh, like they got pulled and you got thrown in mid game kind yeah, of thing. Get thrown into the fire and actually performed really well. I think I ended up having uh, three wins uh, getting put in off the bench, which is actually and losing situations. Yeah. So we ended up winning in a lot of games and I earned, ended up learning, earning uh, more starts towards the end of the year. Um, ended up playing 19 games, which, you know, in the American league, that's not a ton in the AHL, but I played 20 games in the East coast league too. And just, a, I think just a real solid body of work, but, uh, but I just, you know, when you look at the, the situations I was put in, they're extremely similar to the, to the uh, situations I was in in Portland, but yeah. I just had a dip. My mindset and my outlook was just completely 180, one to the other. And then, you know, for goalies that are listening, it's just, it all comes back to your perspective. And then mm-hmm. what is your plan for action um, with the role that you're assigned? And just, you got to have, you got to have that patience and just accept the role that you're given. And then you're, you'll create new opportunities for, um, you know, for the following year or within an mm-hmm. organization. And uh, again, that that's just a, a, a big regret of mine. I wish I could have handled it better. Um, the first time around, but, you know, I kind of learned my lesson and um, I thought earned, uh, earned some respect for my coaching staff because Jim Playfair was our head coach there. And he was really, really hard on the, on the players just in general. Right. He gave me a nice compliment. He he told me uh, towards the end of the season, he said, he's like, man, I've never seen a goalie come off the bench like you. (laughs) It was just something really subtle. Like he, I think he kind of said it in passing. And, uh, you know, and it was just like, Hey, I, I embraced, you know, you can say like, Oh, I'm getting thrown into the dumpster fire here or weather the storm for five minutes, make a couple big saves, settle into the game, you know, and then, you know, though coming off the bench turned into more starts towards the end of the season. Yeah. It's an opportunity for you to prove yourself really. Right. Like if you can, in a situation like that, um, and you know, I, I love how you're kind of talking about how you just, you, you eventually just perceived it differently would allowed you to excel right because you know you're feeling sorry for yourself versus like what's the solution how can we win this game because if i win this game if i find a way even though the odds are against me um typically that's the best i say this like when the odds are against you and you're in a bad situation that's actually the 
best time to stand out, right? To prove yourself in a situation where you're clearly not supposed to be successful, well, right? Exactly. You're getting thrown in mid game or whatever it may be, right? Well, as goaltenders, we we have the biggest impact on the outcome of the game, good or bad. You know, yeah. it's if we're giving up two bad goals a game, you know, it's you know you, the fingers are usually pointed. At, hey, the goaltending was terrible. That's why we lost. Or it's you're <laughs> that guy that you, hey, this guy was unreal. He weathered the storm in the first period, hit some big saves at the end to close it out. He's the biggest reason why we won the game. So it's uh, yeah, it's it it really does come down to perception. And then what is your plan for action? You know, do you have systems in place mentally to uh, to handle the the moment? And then mm-hmm. what are your systems of actions week to week with that lead up to game time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, uh, we're having a great conversation here and I love it. We're kind of getting ahead of it, but, uh, unbelievable value. Maybe we can just quickly wrap up, uh, the junior thing and we'll jump into kind of your college tenure a bit, but sure. you know, you, you, you won the Clark cup championship your second year you know, uh, in the league and you played an exceptional amount of games. And then, and then the following year, you also won goalie of the year award, you know, maybe you can just kind of detail to young guys out there, like, Hey, what's the sort of build process up to that? Like, what, what do you think changed so much from your first couple of years or your, your first year, uh, that, that allowed you to find so much, so much success at the tail end of your junior career? Well, part of that was I was really fortunate that I played on a really strong team too. We had the year that we won the Clark Cup, we had seven guys get drafted in the NHL, which at at the time USHL, you were lucky to get you know a couple of guys drafted, but we had seven guys get drafted. So wow, I was fortunate that. And then you know the most notable player that was on that roster was David Backus. Nice. uh, We had other guys that were drafted in. uh, you know, second, third, fourth, I think we, we did have a sixth round, seventh round pick on, on that team too. And, um, so fortunate that I played for a really strong team and a, and a good coach too. But, um, for me, it was earning it the first year, proving that I belonged. Second year was, uh, for our group returning group, it felt like we had unfinished business. We felt like at the end of our first season, we were like, we can be the best team in, in the league. Right. We, we went out and we proved it. We won regular season and then we won the playoffs and we went nine and one. Um, mm. And then the next year it was like total rebuild. Uh, all of our good players <laughs> were, went on to, uh, to uh, college level. Um, and then it was kind of rebuilding, but I was coming back. And for me, it was my choice to go back to junior for another year was it was the challenge of I want to play every single game it was a new challenge of I want to be a a true number one where the first two seasons it was kind of a 1a 1b situation and then I wanted to be the outright guy that carried the load that um could could carry a, a team through uh uh through the struggles of, of a rebuild and, and still mm. be an elite goalie. And, and I think I kind of was able to, to achieve that, which gave me a lot of confidence too, where I could have a really good season um, behind a team that probably wasn't as strong as, you know, a championship caliber. Yeah. Team. Um, and, you know, and, and you get pushed cause you get the USHL is a really, really good league. There's a lot of great players and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and tested. I, I can't, I can't specifically remember kind of my, my shot, uh, like your average shots per game, but it, I mean, it was North of like 32, 33 shots. Per game, nice. Like so do you think that was beneficial for your development to see a lot of rubber in the USHL? Yeah. yeah 100%. I mean, it's, uh, I think when you get comfortable, when you, when you're getting shell, you get opportunities to steal a lot of games. Right. Um, 
you're just on a night to night basis. Like if you're going to win, you got to weather the storm at some point in time, and then you have to be able to close it out in the last five minutes. So you're, you're mm. always, uh, you're always going to be challenged. And then, you know, on those nights that don't go well, I remember, uh, you know, your interview with, with Pete DeBoer there, where he's like, you just want a guy that can, uh, can respond after bad nights and then, right. you know, almost be a better goaltender after a bad night. So that was kind of a, a, a personal mental challenge for, uh, for me. And, and I felt like I was able to prove that. And it was, I was just fortunate that the rest of the league recognized that. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, in, in 2004, you know, you headed to North Dakota, which is one of the top programs in division one hockey, if, if not arguably the top program, but in your first season as a freshman, where do you, where did you struggle the most initially when you're trying to transition to division one hockey from juniors? Um, you know, you, you revisit uh, the patience element. Um, we had a senior goalie and then a sophomore goalie in Jordan Parisi, who's Zach's uh, older brother. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was a great USHL goalie. And then arguably, you know, he was hitting, really hitting his his prime um, goaltending-wise. Uh, I probably never learned more from watching another guy practice than Jordy. Like, he was the ultimate competitor. Um super technically sound like at that time so um, i'm super envious of the goalies of this day and age where there's access to so much information and and uh, <laughs> like coaching and social and, media and, even this podcast yeah, right this podcast is exact you know stuff that i'm envious of but jordy was uh um really well schooled technically and i was just like man i've never seen a guy so technically sound so i really right. admired him for that and he was super dedicated to uh to improving as a goalie. So, but you know, he was just more ready to play than I was. So I just had to kind of, uh, um, bide my time, be patient. You know, I was going to be playing, I wasn't going to be playing as much. Um, and our head coach, Dave Hackstall, who's now with the the assistant with the Maple Leafs, but you know, he was, Hey, Hey, Phil, just, you know, if you're loyal to the program, the program will will be loyal to you. So just, uh, for me, it was just keep coming to the rink, put in the work, um, when your time comes, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to ride you. We're going to, um, you know, you'll be our guy. So it's, yeah. uh, and, and I think at, at the college level, a lot of players go through that um, because not a lot of guys get the opportunity to play right away, just even outside of goaltending. Um, right. You gotta, you gotta wait your turn and uh, just continue to, to hone your craft and practice. Cause you, you, there is a lot of development to be had if you treat practice the right way. Um, and I was fortunate that our, our assistant coaching staff, so our, uh, the head coach of UND now was Brad Berry, but he was the assistant coach when I was there. Right. And you talk about a guy that was just like, hey, do you want to come in and do extra? What time do you want to be here? He was always a, a coach that um, whatever you needed for skill development, he was going to give you his time. So I was always yeah. really grateful for uh, for Brad that um, – you know, I was always wanting to try to do extra stuff, get some extra ice and work on some technical things. And he was a coach, although he wasn't a goalie coach, but he was a coach that was able to help me do that um, in those first couple of years. And then my, yeah. uh, and then I t- was able to, you know, true to, to Hack's word when it was my time, my junior year, then it was, I was playing basically every single game from a junior right. year. Yeah, no, man, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think when everybody kind of gets into college, I mean, it, you got to understand that um, for people listening, you know, like it's it's basically like all-star hockey, right? Everybody who was kind of like a, an all-star in their junior league, wherever it kind of was across North America and some Euros, right? Um, you know, they uh, 
it's tough. It's tough to get minutes. It's tough to have a spot. And and even when I went in, you know, I wasn't slated to play much when I first went in and I kind of knew that. Um, and I was fortunate that, you know, I mean, un- unfortunate for the other guy who, who was a great partner of mine, um, but he pulled his groin and, and then I actually played North Dakota. Now that I'm thinking of it. And uh, we got shelled the first night. I think we lost like four two. But it was a pretty good effort for my first college game. But then the second night we tied North Dakota. And, um, you know, that that kind of I, I honestly look back and think that that changed the fate of my career. You know, I was just like ready for the opportunity. Didn't really know when it was going to come. Some guys it comes sooner, some later. Um, but you just got to be ready for that, right? Yeah, it's just amazing how that works. Hey, Mike, it's just it starts with one weekend and then it's just like, wow, I felt great. And then you t- you know, you probably put in a good week of practice for that. And then it turned into two good weekends. And yeah, and that's you string them together, right? Yeah, it's just this this momentum effect that can really quickly happen. Um, And you just got to have that self belief that that's what it will materialize to. Um, But it can also happen kind of in, you know, in the negative sense, it can, you know, one bad weekend can can turn into two um, in a, in, in a real hurry if, uh, if you're kind of not managing your emotions, but that's the biggest challenge with goaltending is just the, uh, managing the, the mental highs and lows. And, uh, as long as you have a good system in place with how you think, and then like, I, uh, kind of like I, I've mentioned to you before the, uh, before we started recording here, but just having systems of thought and systems of action in place. Mm. So how, how are you managing, um, how you're thinking up to a game, how do you manage your thinking during the game? And then what are your systems of action that get you ready to play? So that, that would um, consist of your preparation for practice, your preparation for games, how, you know, what are you doing for recovery? Um, And just having those systems in place so that when, you know, you got a bad weekend, all right, what is your checklist you get back to on Right. And then that's how you kind of build and sustain confidence. Um, one thing that I always say, you know, just because you get maybe hammered one weekend, that doesn't necessarily mean you throw you throw everything in the trash. You're just like, all right, I just got to get back on the horse here and just kind of stay in persistent. Got to keep uh, one phrase that my goalie coach in Salzburg always says, he's like, hey, we just got to keep pounding the stone. Eventually it's going to crack, you know? Mm. Yeah. No, man, I, I uh, it's, you know, week to week and, and getting back to the grind. You know, I think the biggest thing, um, you know, obviously you, you and I are both a, a bit on the shorter side, you know, you kind of have to have those systems in place, like before you even get to that level, like in my opinion, the whole point of minor hockey and junior hockey and all the games that everybody plays and everybody wants to go so fast and get there so fast, but you have to develop along the way and you have to create edges for yourself whether it's in your routines or when you have a bad week what are you doing you know and 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 I when I got to college for me it was very clear you know I was very clear on what those systems were and when things went bad I relied on those right and that's how you keep it all together that's how you keep it all you glue it all together because eventually the wheels come off a little bit you know and you even mentioned it that with with in the DeBoer conversation he said that's the biggest thing you know, that any NHL goalies have is that we know they're going to have bad nights, but how quickly they get back to their peak and, and how often they do like they're at their peak, the consistency is really what separates them all. Right. Exactly. Um, and I know in my experience too, like I, I remember, like I would have games where I would get pulled and I remember actually feeling like, man, I did feel really good in the game. 
but for right. whatever reason, you know, we got a couple, a couple bad breaks on, you know, a couple goals and then it just kind of snowballed in a hurry, but it's being able to like kind of reset, you know, just really park that emotion and be like, you know what, I, I felt good. So let's just, let's ride with that emotion. Let's keep mm-hmm. the routine the same the next night. And then, you know, sometimes it's something that's actually, it's structural with the team. You know, maybe, maybe we're just, your, your group in front of you, we're just like, man, we were just giving up, you know, way too much. Um, and, but for you as a goalie, for what you mm-hmm. can control is, you know, keep that, if you felt good in the game, let's just, just ride that positive emotion and then just stay persistent mm-hmm. with your preparation. Um, you know, and then, you know, just with the, with the odds in your favor, if you're just consistent with it, you're gonna, you'll be able to bounce back faster and just not waste time feeling those negative emotions, waste time feeling sorry for yourself, you know, cause no one, no one's going to care. The other teams don't care if you're having a good night or a bad night. Unfortunately, right. Yeah. That's how hockey is very unforgiving. Yeah. So it's just, if nobody else cares, then, you know, then you shouldn't either. So don't so right. waste any time uh, feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, your, your, your final, uh, you know, after your freshman year, you went on to win the league championship in the WCHA and, uh, you know, in your final two seasons with the, with the squad, you're named to the NCAA all tournament team, the WCHA second all-star team, the top goaltender of, uh, in the WCHA and a Hobie Baker finalist, which is just very impressive to even be obviously considered for that award. But, you know, maybe you can just, you, you can just detail to us what changed in, in, you know, so much, what contributed so much to your success over the, you know, the three following years up to your senior year in terms of your development, like, what do you think contributed so much? Yeah. So I always tell this to, uh, my campers and, uh, uh, when I do my camps in Grand Forks, one of the biggest messages, you just have to continually, um, explore and find new ways to get better. And I really, Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta be, um, really honest, um, but fair with your self analysis. I felt like my first couple of years and even points of my, my junior year, um, I felt like I was, Hey, I, I was a respectable, solid starting goalie, but I wasn't at the level of, of being an elite dominant player, dominant goaltender in college hockey yet. Right. Um, so for me, where I was lacking was I needed a little more technical structure. I needed that, that coaching tutelage. And then I, um, right. when I, sit, when I uh, took it upon myself to go work with Ian Clark. That's where it really took off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause anybody who's worked with Ian and I know there's varying opinions of just how he is <laughs> as a coach, um, very hard on his player, very demanding, but yeah, that was the exact sort of uh, coaching that I was looking for. So it was right. really specific on, he was the guy that I wanted to see. And, uh, and then he was able to systemize, you know, goaltending for me. Um, I kind of always relied on being able to be a little bit of a natural, like I would say there was a lot of kind of Marty Brodeur in my game, just um, reading the play, not super consistent with save selections on certain plays, didn't systemize my net play, everything, you know, every read was different. Um, But for Ian, it was uh, systemizing my decision making on the ice, really understanding angles, uh, managing my depth better, um, you know, and then he was able to highlight my, my best assets. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, I just came back from, you know, working with him and I was like, wow, I just have a boatload of confidence. Like I, I understand where I'm deficient. I have uh, systems in place to work on those areas. And then these are my best assets. And I'm just going to try to highlight those, um, and, you know, when, uh, how I'm reading the play mm-hmm. and, 
And then that's kind of where I think I went from being, you know, you know, a competent starting goalie to uh, an elite player. And I was able to kind of do that throughout the course of my, my whole senior year, you know, also adding too that I, you know, you play for North Dakota, you have unbelievable players surrounding you too. So um, just the, I, th- I think just being able to make one or two more saves that maybe I shouldn't on a nightly basis mm. is kind of the difference. And when you actually look at the statistics like that, that's essentially what it came down to for me was I put myself in a position to make one or two more saves per game. And then over the course of a year, I just added up, you know, it's compound interest. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we can kind of, you know, talk about that, how, how the, the, just the slim margin of error that's required, like at the next level, right? Like, you know, uh, the difference between a 90 and a 92 save percentage is, you know, in a goalie's eyes, like pretty significant. But when you look at it, when you break down the numbers, it's probably like five, six goals, you know, six, seven goals throughout the year and being able to kind of trim down and, and take every single puck, uh, seriously, like you said, right. And being able to just trim down that, that one goal, you know, on a biweekly basis, even it all kind of adds up as it's, it's like, it's that compound effect essentially. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. It, you got to look at it like compound interest. So uh, an analogy that's great for goalies is when you're putting in all this effort and you're not really seeing the fruition of that work, it's not work that's wasted. It's just being stored for later. So that goes back to the, the, the your mm. perception of patience. So if for goalies listening, if if you feel like man, I'm doing all the right things, but it's just not paying off yet, you know, keep keep with the patience. You got to grit through that part of your development. Right. Um, but it's going to pay off because there's going to be a huge breakthrough moment that's just around the corner. And, uh, you know, and then for when you look at it, like a season like I had my senior year, it was just, you know, it was one goal a weekend that I was able to cut down. It was closing out a game and not giving up a goal in the last five minutes. It was mm. um, being technically sound and my structure saved me on, you know, an early flurry in the first period or something like that. Or yeah, it was... Uh, you know, um, the way I was reading the game helped me better on uh, PK situations, you know, and, and you can look at it to all areas of the game, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's, like you said, the difference between a 900 and a 92 is, you know, it comes down to maybe two, three goals a month, or it's one goal, mm-hmm. a weekend. you know, it's pretty, you know, if, if you got, you know, 23 on 25 going in the last two minutes, and then you give up that last goal at the end of the game and you're 23 for 26, you know, all of a sudden you drop down to like an 88.3 and instead of 92, it's that's, that's the difference. So. Yeah, no, well said, man. And, and, you know, you, we, we kind of talked about you the beginning of your pro career a bit earlier. Uh, I thought that was an amazing kind of uh, part of the conversation. I know everybody's going to, going to love that, but um you know, I, what, what do you think is the most valuable skill, I guess, kids should start learning today, like moving on to kind of your pro career, um, you know, that that would be essential to their success. And that's transferable to pro hockey one day. Well, what I always tell goalies is you got to you got to learn how to schedule your day. You got to mm-hmm. understand what your habits are and then you need to be prepared for adversity and then have systems in place for when that adversity comes. So right. maybe to get more specific is. You know, going back to when I was talking about goal setting, you got your stretch goal, you got your big target where where you want to end up. That's the end of the journey for you. Yeah. But basically, your day to day work is all your smart goals. Is how do you schedule your day, um, and then 
throughout your schedule, you're going to build more confidence because you are um, getting a little, you know, you're trying to hack your biology a little bit. You're giving yourself little dopamine hits with, with each uh, check mark you put through your list, right. your day-to-day schedule. So an example would be, you know, I'm going to wake up at the same time every day. When I wake up, I'm going to cook, you know, um, taking my nutrition seriously and putting good food in my body. So I got good fuel for the, to start the day. Um, you know, for the listeners, you know, you probably, uh, you got to go to school. So you got to go take care of your school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make sure that you don't have any anxiety over oh, I'm putting stuff off or, or whatever. But when you're at school, be at school, take care of your school stuff. Um, and then, you know, the fun part of the day, when you get to go to the rink, have your schedule in place, you're going to go in, what, it, what am I going to be doing? Uh, I'm foam rolling. Um, I'm doing mobility stuff, stretching, got to do some activation. So the muscles are, mm-hmm. are ready to fire, maybe mix in some hand eye there. And now I'm ready for practice, you know, and then have your couple of drills ready with your goalie coach, um, have a focus practice, you know, and then, uh, after you're done with practice, you can reevaluate like, oh, how did I feel? What can I do different for tomorrow? What can I do for a pre-scout for the team we might be playing upcoming? And then you hit recovery and then what are you doing to take care of your body after you skate? For some, it's, you know, uh, I like the cold exposure. So I'm doing a nice bath, you know, right. get a good meal in you. Um, go out, relax with the boys. You got to decompress, whatever, whatever guys like to do, you know, and then you start your routine over again and then just learn to fall in love with that process. Mm. Um, I think if you get really good at scheduling, um, you're going to be, you're going to be really confident when, uh, kind of the adversity comes. So when your patience is tested, what are you doing? Um, you know, when you get, maybe you get punched in the mouth and you have a tough, tough weekend, um, hockey wise, you know, what, what are you doing? What are your systems of thought? What are your systems mm-hmm. of action? That's what I'm always asking goalies that I'm, uh, that I'm working with in the summer, you know, and those are things that I, I, I do for myself. So it's not like, it's not advice for sure. that I give to other people, but I don't practice. <laughs> this is stuff that I've kind of formulated over the course of my career. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, man. And I mean, you went on, you gone on now to have just a, an amazing career overseas. And during your time in Europe, you've, you've racked up over 400 games now, a championship four goaltender of the year awards. Uh, and I'm sure lots of memories to last a, a lifetime, man, but maybe you can just start, you know, with your kind of longstanding tenure, being a top goaltender in, in almost every league you've gone to, you know, USHL college, uh, pro in 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 north america uh, uh and europe we mean you just let us know like what's your what's your secret really like what's your what's your mentality how do you approach the challenge and how do you tackle that every year to be a top goaltender or to be a contender for the, the goalie of the year award like what does it really take um well it always comes back to motivation um are you motivated to uh to compete at the level you're at um part of that too is um understanding like I don't would I love to be playing in the National Hockey League no question if I had the opportunity to to be playing there would I be yes absolutely Mm -hmm. um but you just have to go where somebody says yes to you so for me my biggest opportunity to play and play at a high level was over in Europe so um when I took uh, the opportunity to come over here the first year it was just you know that process of okay I need to establish that I belong here and then I Mm -hmm. can be an elite player my first year um, and then it was just year after year was, you know, I, I love what I do. I love competing. I love uh, the process of getting better. And, uh, and so my life has been built around, um, you know, that, that process, the, 
you know, being able to, to be a professional goaltender day in and day out. Um, and then building a life around that. So I've had, uh, uh, I have two kids now and both of them were born in Austria. Uh, my wife has been, she's done this whole journey with me the whole 14 years. Wow. Nice um, man. So it's, you know, it's just started with the intrinsic motivation of, um, I have a lot of self-belief. Um, the belief comes from being able to put in the work and not be afraid of, um, uh, changing the process, like learning new things and adapting and, and all that sort of stuff from off ice to maybe on ice technique. Um, you know, and then, and just controlling what I can control. I can control how I prepare. I can control how I can, uh, how I can compete. And then just that overall team goal that every player knows it's when you're in the league, you're, you're in, you want to win the championship in the end, at the end of the year. So those, uh, the intrinsic motivation, um, that that's paramount. And then, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, I don't want to rehash kind of all those things, but just having those systems in place that allow you mm-hmm. to, to achieve that, um, day in and day out. Um, and then, you know, what works for me too, uh, it's going to be different for each individual. So I think the advice that I'm giving is it's almost like scaffolding, you know, I can't build the whole house for you, but I can kind of put up the framework and then right. you have to fill in the pieces that work for you because, you know, everyone's an individual, everyone's motivated differently. And I think if you ask yourself the right questions, um, you can find out what those pieces are for you uh, so that your intrinsic motivation kind of stays high. Yeah, you know, and, and we're going to dive into shortly here into your systems and, and some stuff briefly, but maybe we can just touch on this idea of like uh, uh, of adaptability. You know, goaltending is dynamic. It's forever changing. You know, you've been a goalie for, you know, 30 years now, right? Or longer. How many years now, actually? Yeah, something like that. I mean, if you go back out to minor <laughs> hockey, so I, I started uh, playing in mites. So I think that's, you know, six, age six, seven. So yeah, close. Yeah, to yeah, eight. yeah. So, you know, but, but my, the reason I bring it up is because um, I'm getting older too, you know what I mean uh, now, but I just seen the game, you know, every five years and even almost every year like five ten years the game has sort of a different face to it you know what i mean um and you alluded to it that you know you had to become more technical and so maybe you can kind of detail to everybody the kind of adaptability that's just required in this position to have such long tenure at the next level for so long like you have yeah you just have to be prepared for the game to adapt so you know with the i want to say the early 2010s um goaltenders uh, adapted their net play from using kind of traditional VH, which is kind of what I was originally instructed on to using right. reverse. Um, and that was kind of uh, influenced through Ian Clark um, where they just adapted. So the problems that goaltenders were having where they made that adjustment was on jam plays, basically players would jam it in their feet and they'd push your, your, your yeah, and you'd fall over you and you'd be <laughs> on your stomach. Um, the biggest series that I think of was uh, Sh- Chicago, played Vancouver on their first cup and then they just pounded Vancouver in the series on, on net plays. Right. And, uh, and they kept pushing Luongo's feet out from under them. And then it was just, they were outnumbering them at the net, creating a lot of chaos. So the solution to that was, okay, let's put our other lead pad anchored to the leg, our backside edge will anchor us to the post. And then we'll be in mm. better position to freeze pucks and, uh, and protect on the, on the dead angle. So that was an example of an, of adaptability. So now, you know, players are becoming more smart and you're seeing a lot more goals on the dead angle where goals are getting beat, um, you know, above by the ears. 
and uh and you know so goalies have to adjust so you're seeing guys making more overlap reads on those situations and i think it just goes to when you see trends like goal scoring trends you just have to kind of i think work with your goalie coach and work with your goalie partners and be like okay what's kind of a maybe a better tactical plan for these types of plays um i think the game's headed in a great direction um, the game's kind of turned into an east-west-east game where right. your players are holding on to the puck longer. They're making, you know, they recognize the the value of a slot line pass and one-timer. Mm-hmm. Um, guys find the, the soft areas really well and the puck gets to the net in a hurry. Um, you know, we know that two out of three goals are scored by a screen deflection or in a rebound. So I know team systems are generated around on that in-zone settled offense of uh, – trying to create opportunities like that off the half wall or behind. Right. The and, uh, and just, you have to be continue to watch hockey. You have to watch trends. Um, um, pre, you got to pre-scout your teams. And, and as long as you're prepared uh, for scoring trends of opponents, you're going to play. Um, I think you'll be able to put together a, a pretty solid game plan in place. Um, yeah. And just understand, just you have to have the assumption that okay, the, the game's going to continually change. The scoring errors are going to be in different spots, but just be prepared to to adapt. Um, and then I think if you build your practice plan around kind of the the scoring trends, um, you'll kind of be able to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of want to just dive in your routines a little bit now. You know, we talked a lot about systems uh, throughout the conversation. We're not going to be able to hit all of them, obviously you know, the Bible, as we like to call it, goes on and on. And it's, it's sort of, you know, you're tw- always tweaking it here and there. But maybe we can just start with your, you know, your game day routine. You, you kind of talked about how, you know, um, leading up, you know, systems of thoughts and systems of action, right? So what take us from the night before to, to game time and afterwards. How do you get ready to play every day? Yeah, so for me, it's, you know, night before I like to eat uh, cook a dinner with, with the family. And, um, I like to eat red meat before the, the night before, um, you know, something nice. like starch, leafy greens. So it starts with just solid nutrition. And then, uh, the following day, just, I have a pretty consistent breakfast. It's two eggs, avocado, wheat toast, uh, bacon, um, a bulletproof coffee and some fruit. So, uh, probably half a banana and blueberries, um, so nice. you know, having the, having the right fuel so that your body's feeling good. Um, you know, and then, uh, for me, as far as how I take care of myself physically, when I get to the rink, it's foam rolling kind of head to toe. So you're priming your soft tissue for work, mm-hmm. um, so mobility routine where again, it's, that's a head to toe routine for me, which mm-hmm. takes about, you know, 30, 35 minutes. Uh, then I'm going to do some activation stuff. So if goalies have ever seen like, uh, Band, different sort of band work for yeah. hips glutes and shoulders. stuff yeah so we want to do what uh you know my trainer calls pillar prep so prep the hips core shoulders um you know that's that's fairly short that'll only take me 10 minutes so that physical preparation is about um about 45 minutes um and then your oh, nice. this is this is just uh like pre-game skate like in the am kind of thing yep just right right away in the morning that that routine's universal so i do that before practice and i do that before uh, uh before a pre-game skate um nice. so then i'll skate skates are usually about 20 minutes long i'll have uh my warm-up routine that i do with my player and goalie coach um i'm hitting uh i'm getting some stationary hands work 
I'm getting some different, uh, I'm doing some different slides. So a butterfly slide, a backside push where I'm catching a puck. Um, some pre-shot movement where I'm getting a body save. Um, next drill would be, uh, I just call it uh, a slide drill. So I'm hitting three different angle points, you know, uh, mm. side blue line, middle angle, far blue line. And right. then the, uh, the shot release is going to be kind of from the dead angle. So just hitting kind of a, going from a, a wide butterfly slide into a narrow space and then making body saves with that. And then uh, I have a, a post exit drill that I do where I'm going to track in a reverse position post to post and then exit off the post from three different angles. So a near side push, a push to the middle of the ice and then a far side push um, mm. trying to, trying to collect the puck in, in the body area. And that's kind of my, my yeah. pregame routine. And then, uh, then getting into the team practice. Um, and that takes, that'll be about 20 minutes, um, of work on the ice. And then, uh, you know, and then, uh, quick cold tub shower, um, pregame meal. Uh, we're really fortunate in Salzburg. Uh, it's, I would say it's national league quality as far as the food spread we get. Oh yeah. But, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's unreal. So really fortunate. Cause a lot of the, I mean, you play 10 plus years in the minor leagues and, you know, I remember in the East Coast League, it's pregame meal at, uh, you know, Denny's breakfast restaurant and stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's on a budget. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, really fortunate that we get great, uh, great food in Salzburg. Um, and then back home, uh, say hi to uh, the kids for a little bit. Um, quick pregame nap. Nap's kind of short now. Usually, uh, Usually about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, nice. Well, okay. you used to go longer. Uh, two hours was my max, but typically yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought hours. maybe you went way longer than that or something. No, no, a little bit shorter. But uh, and then I'm yeah. doing some some form of reading. Like I enjoy reading is kind of like my active leisure that I enjoy. So that right. integrated kind of in my daily routine. Um, and then bulletproof coffee, quick snack, get dressed, head to the game, and then that uh, physical preparation starts over again. So I'll do the although not quite as long because my body feels pretty good but right um the the mobile the foam rolling the activation the the mobility that all that uh will take place before uh before warm-ups um and then um uh before i put my gear on i, I do the cold shower so it's like if i feel like i have some sort of mental fog it's like a two three minute cold shower um just to kind of jack up the, the, the nervous the system. Yep. And then yeah, um, I did that too. I actually found that was very effective. Very awesome. Yeah. I, that's probably one of the biggest things. So if young goal is, if you've never tried it, um, if you can integrate some form of cold exposure on a daily yes. basis, it doesn't have to be that long. You're talking, you know, take your normal shower, but finish on cold for, you know, just start out with trying to do it for one minute. Right. Um, and you're going to feel, you're going to feel really good after it. Um, if you well, it all, you know, it, it's funny. You mentioned the ice bath. I was a big fan of the, the ice bath as well. Cold exposure in general is becoming a, an excellent tool to uh, help with um, mental composure. You 100%. know, yep. you start freaking out when you're in the ice water. How can you keep cool? Can you just focus on your breath? Can you keep calm when you're under pressure? That And that honestly translates well onto the ice, right? Yeah, 100%. So the cold exposure is a great physical trigger because you know, you're, you're putting your nervous system under duress, doesn't know what's going on. It thinks it's going to go into hypothermia. So what do you have to do? You're forced to focus on your breath. 
get your breathing mm. under control, calm down, and then you kind of settle in. And then the cold, you know, that cold shock kind of dissipates. Um, you're getting a bunch of chemical reactions in your brain. You're getting some dopamine hits. You're getting some adrenaline. You know, you're getting mm-hmm. norepinephrine that's running through your brain. And uh, and those are those kind of the, the fight or flight chemicals that, you know, right. you're getting ready to do something important. Your brain needs to be sharp. So that's that's all the cold exposure does is it's uh, it gets rid of that mental fog if you ever right. experience it. Um, and then for me, the kind of the last part of the routine before the, the warm up is just a, a short visualization routine that I that I've developed that works for me. Um, and that, you know, that only takes three to five minutes. And uh, what do you visualize? And then I'm visualizing uh, tactical stuff. So uh, I'm physically, I'm, I'm seeing the shooter release uh, the, sh- the shot from some different angles, um, making different saves. I'm trying to go over basically every type of situation or save I might see in a game. Yeah. Um, uh, it'll change game to game based on, uh, I try to like to visualize like the special teams that we pre-scouted. So mm-hmm. there's certain plays that, uh, that I saw on pregame video, you know, I'll visualize kind of making the saves on those situations, mm. um, you know, diff, uh, playing the puck efficiently. So getting back, stopping it, hitting the tape, you know, strong side play, weak side play, um, bypassing the four check, hitting the winger. Um, and then, uh, and then I think what else is important is actually visualizing like emotions of your teammates. So like, I like to visualize the win um, you know, the, the crowd after mm. the, the boys crowding the net after the game, I think that's a powerful trigger. Um, vis- trying to visualize the scoreboard right. scene that we won. Like it, it, those, those are things that have worked for me, but for, for goalies that listen, if you try, if you're trying a visualization routine, um, just start with maybe a couple key phrases or words that kind of, uh, that work for you, that get you in like a good headspace. Right. Start with that and then kind of build around that. Um, I would say you don't want it too short, but you don't want it too long either. You you want it to be to just kind of prime you, get you ready to, to step onto the ice and you feel like you have that 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 sweet spot of mental arousal. Right. Um, and even I've even heard of uh, psychologists recommend too is visualize the bad stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. You know what? I It's funny you say that actually, you know, I, I, I – <laughs> I didn't know actually that psychologists uh, recommended that, but it was something that I recommended to my mentorship students was like, Hey, you know, imagine yourself just starting in a bad situation. Like don't imagine yourself putting yourself in that situation. Just imagine starting there and overcoming the adversity. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's just priming yourself. It's actually kind of a, a message from stoic philosophy. So it's, it's Marcus Aurelius. Um, nice. If there's uh, you know, if, goaltenders are interested in certain reading like a lot is that is that from uh, meditations yeah so their meditation is a it w- wasn't a book that was originally in uh written to be released to the public but it was just like a personal journal but a lot of different authors have kind of taken that and then um written uh books with the pre- uh, with the message of meditations and then translated it to like uh modern day psych- psychological yeah. um uh, systems for people to use basically like an operating system. Yeah. It's an operating system for adversity really. For people listening, the stoic philosophy is basically like, you know, um, and, and, uh, JP, you know, alluded to it a lot is, you know, controlling yourself, controlling what you can control to change the outcome versus 
um, getting upset and overreacting to external things that you can't control. Correct. Yeah. And like the way Mark and uh, meditations, like Marcus Aurelius would say, he would start his day with the, uh, with the meditation. So he would visualize himself meeting unruly and disrespectful people. And just, you know, why would I get upset with that? Because that is human nature. Um, mm-hmm. pe- you know, people are going to make mistakes. People are going to, uh, uh, they'll cheat you. They'll, say bad things about you, but you have no control over that. So translating that in the game of hockey is maybe you visualize that a ref's going to make a bad call and you guys got an early five on three or, um, you know, maybe it's something bad that's unintentional. Like, you know, a teammate has a bad turnover or something like that. You have to be prepared for these things to happen so that when you're in the moment, you react the best way possible. Right. And uh, that's why the visualizing kind of the adversity or visualizing bad things, it's almost like a primer so that you're not surprised when they happen. Right. In your mind, you're visualizing everything is going to go great. And then when it doesn't, everything hits the fan, right? Yeah. So it's that that's a that's a good point. So sometimes when, you know, we're visualizing all this positive stuff, all this great stuff that you're going to do in the game. Um, and then all of a sudden you give up the first shot of the game you know, where are you at? So sometimes I've heard of some goalies visualizing that. And then, you know, it's, you make the first save and it's like, wow, I'm playing with house money. You know, I'm, uh, (laughs) you know, things are good. Things are going to go well, but it's just being prepared for, uh, for the adversity. And then that, um, I I think I always loved, that's why I love watching flurry so much was if you, like, if you watched his last, the last game, uh, game five there, he gives up kind of the soft first goal at the end of the first period. Mm Mm-hmm you know, and, uh, and they're down to nothing in the game. And it's like, what makes him so, what makes him a hall of famer? What makes him have so much longevity is that things like that can happen in a game and it doesn't define the game for him. Right. He's able to kind of just keep battling, um, making important saves, um, you know, and then his body language after that too, like, I'm not sure it would probably vary on the opinions on like what he did after he got scored on the first <laughs> one. Like he throws a stick up in the air, his head goes back. Like it's not the best body language, but I think for yeah. Corey and his personality, it was like, he's almost laughing at himself. Like, Oh, I can't believe. Yeah. That that's kind of how he is. Eh? <laughs> yeah. So in my opinion, it's, um, you know, it, his personality, it's when bad things happen to him, his body language, I think is the, you know, it's the best of all time. It's he's unfazed. It's, um, you know, he makes a couple big saves and I remember seeing, uh, you know, defenseman come back and give him a pat on the back of the head, back of the Jersey, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. guys really want to want to battle for him. And uh, so that Mark going back, trying to tie it into, you know, expect bad things that are going to happen to you. It's, you know, flurry is a great model for, you know, when, adversity happens in the game like look how he he reacts to it you know yeah. he gives up kind of a soft goal but you know he was able to laugh it off he was able to kind of keep banking important saves um they yeah. get, you know they get uh thumped in game one and then they lose a tight one in game two you know the series could be over in a hurry but you know i i really feel like he's the heartbeat of that team and a lot of it yeah. has to do with how he reacts um with different adversity you know yeah yeah, well, what about, uh, you know, we talk about big games and big situations, flurry in the playoffs, you know, stuff like that, you know, but for you personally, when you're playing in, in sort of high stakes and, and pressure situations, like what's sort of your mental routine during a game to help you avoid game time and performance anxiety? And, you know, what anchor techniques, either like internal or external, do you use to center your focus and eliminate uh, distractions regularly? 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, so um, I like kind of your phrase there, having anchor techniques. Um, that's a good, uh, I think, trigger word for goalies to like kind of yeah. get centered again. So I like that. Um, but for me, it's you got to have great self-talk. Self-talk is just in goaltending. It's like right. you spend 60 minutes in your own head. <laughs> You know, you're not comes with the territory, right? Yeah, you're just constantly talking to yourself, and it can be good and bad. But you know, kind of tying it back to uh, some of the Stoic teachings is uh, a quote that I had read was, you know, you should be strict with yourself, but lenient of others. Um, your self talk right. should be honest, but uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be hurtful. So be mm -hmm. honest with yourself, but you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be you know your own worst enemy. So be positive, but be realistic. So, um, so phrases that I try to use is just like, okay, let's just start with the first one and see what happens. You know, it's, mm. if I say, uh, like, let's say I give up the first goal of the game. It's for me, it's, I got, let's, I have to make the next save and let's see what mm -hmm. happens. You mm -hmm. know, I'm not trying to play out a whole period or a whole game, you know, after, uh, something bad happens. In your mind, you're saying, yeah, right? Yeah. Just to, in, yeah. in talking to yourself, like it's not messages that you need to be going, talking, saying stuff to the team. This is all talk for yourself. Yeah. And uh, so it's, for me, it's highlighting having like a key phrase or a key word that I'm kind of, it's, it's being repeated or, um, uh, you know, off of uh, face-offs, it's, you know, scanning the ice. It's for me, it's just like, okay, where are my, where are my one T options? Um, mm. and just trying to be in the moment of, uh, reading the play, um, right. being, being really confident. I say the same thing. Yeah. I love that. Being confident in, uh, your preparation. So I'm not worried about my footwork. I'm not worried about the technical aspect for me. It's just, I'm reading the game. Yeah. And then your, your muscle memory, uh, will kick in, um, you know, when, when the plays develop, but just for me, it's okay. Just awareness on the ice, reading, reading sticks, um, you know, if, uh, if I, if it's a clear sighted shot or it's, you know, find the puck or, or it's uh, read the stick, if it's, uh, if I'm right. in a graphic situation, it's, uh, find the puck, you know, battle, battle for sight lines. Um, right. You're saying that and, to yourself. Yeah. This, right? Those are things yeah. that, that you're kind of repeating to yourself. Um, yeah. And, um, and you know, th those words are, are, are phrases that they work for me, but other goalies it, it might be, you know, I, I've seen, you know, dozens of different examples that people have posted on social media that, that are impactful for them, but it's mm -hmm. just kind of finding the right combination, like what resonates, uh, what resonates for you. Yeah. And so for me, it's, uh, focused is like a great trigger word for me. You know, if you're going to start the game, um, you know, right at puck drop, you can say to yourself, you know, I'm focused or I'm locked in or, mm -hmm. um, di dialed in. I've, I've seen play goaltenders that I play with that put dialed, on their, you know, on their stick knob or something like that, yeah. where they can read it. And, uh, and it's just something that's able to center you amongst all the chaos, right? Mm -hmm. What what do you do uh, in between whistles? I'm usually like, I'm, I'm really focused on my breath work, actually. So mm. I can get um, some good inhales through my nose. Um, if I so like, let's say we're, you know, we've been hemmed in and I need to get a quick rest. It's really trying to get, uh, get my breathing under control. Cause for me, uh, controlled breath means efficient decision-making. Um, when our heart rate starts to get mm. up, that's usually when we make, uh, mental mistakes. So for me, it's just trying to keep, uh, keep the breath work, um, 
consistent and then being able to recognize like, okay, I'm getting uh, a little fatigue. Let's, let's try to, let's get some good quality breaths in because over mm. the long haul, it makes actually a big difference for conserving energy. Yeah. Well, if you're, you're kind of like anxious and under duress that you're just right. You're just like hyperventilating. That's something my dad would always say to me too. You just, just, you know, when, when things kind of get, when the chaos comes, just breathe and don't hyperventilate because it turns into an even worse situation. Right. Yeah. Going back to the, to the breath work stuff too, though, actually is uh, you don't want to be a mouth breather. So there's actually scientific data on you want to be, you want to breathe through your nose as much as possible because your nose is like an air filter. And, yeah. Uh, the hairs and in also it, right? the most efficient way to like calm your nerves. So if you're super anxious, you know, the breathing techniques are always generally through your nose and that's kind of for a reason. It's, uh, um, it triggers your autonomic nervous system, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And, um, and so the, quality breaths through the nose, deep inhales, um, through the nose, out through the nose. Um, I understand too, it's not totally realistic when a high intensity sport like hockey, but right. the more <laughs> you can breathe through your nose, um, on your, on your rest time, you're going to recover faster. Yeah. You're going to be calmer in the net. Your, your thinking is going to be more clear too. So it's just a little thing and a way you can actually train that. That's really easy. And all it just takes is a little bit of focused effort is when you do your steady state cardio, um, I would challenge goalies. So if you're just riding the bike for 20 minutes or you're going for a 20 minute run or something, just try to breathe through your nose through that whole steady state mm -hmm. and just see how you feel after. Um, that's something that, that I've tried to integrate too, where you're actually practicing that. And then yeah. what you find is that you actually feel like you have more energy at the end than you do at the beginning. So it's really interesting. Uh, oh, like of the session or a skate or a game or whatever. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just good, like with a steady state. So if I'm going to ride the assault bike for 10, 15 minutes and I just breathe through my nose, I feel like I feel like I have more energy at the end just because you're getting that, that oxygen saturation in the right. blood. And, um, you know, and you're getting these deep inhales. Um, when, you're, when you're doing that as well too. So the book that I read that was – uh, really great with this was James Nestor's breathe. And, uh, mm. so if goalies are interested in, in this topic too, that's, I think that's a great book to start with. Yeah. Uh, it's a small thing. It takes, you know, breathing is, it's not something that athletes or people think about in general. It's like, of course I know how to breathe. I'm alive. Right. But it's, it, there are some different techniques that can make it more efficient that can just, you know, for as athletes and goalies, we're always looking for that extra 1%. So if you can, absolutely breathe more efficiently that's going to help you with endurance it's going to you know it has just a great trickle down effect if you just your breathing habits are, are of high quality yeah and what what's your routine after you get scored on um i'm always i take the puck out of the net i turn around i put my stick on the the net and then i take a couple sips of water and then it's a big inhale through the nose out through the mouth and then it's reset what are you um, thinking in your mind like through all that for me, it's going back to, uh, I just got to make the next one. Just make mm. the next one. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to make 10 more saves. I just have to make the first one. Like, don't give mm -hmm. up the next shot. Um, you know, and then it's just trying to, just trying to reset. Um, I think it's usually the way momentum works in hockey is like, if you can kind of weather the storm the next 30 to 90 seconds, it's like, okay, things will settle down a little bit. Yeah, but it's, right. you want to avoid those snowball effects where you, you it's the worst when you kind of get scored in flurries. You, yeah, and you can't you stop the bleeding, right? Even two or three. 
So yeah, you can't stop the bleeding, right? Yeah. So that's why it's just, Hey, just make the next one, just make the next one. And then let's see what happens. Yeah. And then, uh, and then on, on the, actually on or off the ice, you know, what are maybe like your two biggest hacks, like drills you do or something like that, that you feel like gives you an edge every week over everybody else? Um, I mean, I think the, the discipline with my, with my mobility routine. So, so I'm going on 36, going on 37 next year. And my body has felt just as good now as if I just left college. And I think it's just been the discipline with the mobility thing. So for goalies, it's um, yeah. getting a mobility routine that gets your hips, body feeling good. You know, you're getting, you know, we can never control how tall we are, but we control how wide we can play. So, you know, if you can mm, have more mobile hips, like that. that's going to, that's going to benefit you. Um, also just yeah. the activation. So with having, you know, increased flexibility, we need strength in that. So being disciplined with your, uh, your hip, activation on a daily basis um i think that and then uh, the other one too is with recovery i think the biggest hacks is really have a good understanding of your breath work and how that can impact performance and recovery Mm. and then the cold exposure i think uh that's another one that it takes discipline to do it daily because it's something that's really uncomfortable at first right um but it's going to give you longevity because it's going to decrease inflammation um, you're going to get these really good natural chemical releases in the brain. Yeah. Um, like you said, that sympathetic nervous system that gets activated. That's really important for, um, just staying overall healthy. Um, you get these, uh, you get like a natural dopamine release too with the cold exposure. So you, yeah. like, you feel good. You're, you're, you're happier. Um, so I, I think off the ice, those are, um, like you said, my, my goalie hacks, like the, those are the big ones for me. Nice. Love it, man. That's the, that's the stuff people love. Uh, but maybe you can finally just briefly dive into, you know, we, we've have a, had a great conversation, but you know, you, you mentioned that you've done a significant amount of coaching on top of all the playing you've done the last 10 years, but maybe you can just briefly dive into, you know, your specific, uh, you know, three or four pillars you surround your, your goaltending, uh, coaching and playing philosophy around and why exactly you think they're so important. Yes. Uh, I mean, with any goalie that's listening to this, you've, you've probably already hit a point where you've chosen that you're passionate about goaltending and you've made a conscious choice that you're going to find new ways to get better. So, but for goalies that are just starting out, like you need to, you need to really hone in on the, like, uh, our basic fundamentals of skating. Like we need that edge work. We need to understand how to butterfly correctly. You know, what's proper, uh, uh, recover, what's proper recovery, butterfly slides, backside push, um, you know, T pushes, shuffles, all these basic fundamentals. Like we need that 10,000 hours of mastery, um, you know, in the beginning right. part. So when you're first starting out, these are important, um, uh, requirements to basically become more efficient in them, right? Yeah. You just, we need to be proficient in these movements to start. And then once you're kind of proficient in that, you know, then it's kind of, okay, how do I read the game? How do, uh, how do I read the play? And then you're starting to make, uh, make more kind of complex decision-making while you're playing the game. Um, you're able to integrate, um, you know, one-off saves as Ian Clark says, uh, you need to kind of break from your structure to make kind of unconventional saves because right. again, you're just reading the play and you're competing. Um, you know, and then being able to build your, uh, your, 
your mental mindset, whatever, however you, uh, an individual want to phrase it. So your, your mindset, um, having those tools in place for, um, for dealing with, with life, with, um, the adversity of sport, um, having those things in place. And then just the recovery aspect of, uh, of being an athlete recovery aspect of from the mental and physical side and, um, uh, finding out what works for you. If it's working for you, keep it, keep doing it. If it doesn't work for you or it's not registering, then you know what, put it aside. Um, yeah. maybe put it back in your toolbox. Maybe you just throw it out completely of like, ah, oh, this just doesn't work for me. Um, and then just, how do you evaluate that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you make that decision that, Hey, this isn't for me? Um, I would say if it, if it doesn't help your body feel good and it doesn't make your mind feel good, then maybe it's just, mm. and that's, that's a great tool for you. Um, I think essentially it's, you know, when you're in your off season training, you know, I'm sure different goaltenders have trainers that they like and dislike. Um, ultimately as an athlete, you just want to feel good when you step onto the ice. So that's, right. I think it's a great, you know, barometer for goalies to use is, is this making my body feel good or is it making my body feel bad? So if mm -hmm. you're feeling good, then keep doing it. Um, same thing on the mental side too. If you're thinking a certain way and you're feeling good and confident, I'd say keep at it. But if it's like you start um, thinking, uh, you're, you're thinking more negatively than you should be, um, you're, you don't feel like you're in a good headspace, then you got to change something up. Um, if you can find a mindset where you're, consistently positive and you feel empowered, then I'd say stick with it. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you mentioned reading the game, uh, obviously an enormous part of getting to the next level. Um, but it's always interesting to hear, you know, what everybody thinks on how you exactly that you develop that. So how, you know, in your opinion, when you teach your guys, how do you kind of help them develop that uh, a little bit more that anticipation that reading the game? Um, I think it's just setting up shooting drills uh, that replicate game situations and then just getting enough repetitions to where, you know, you're going to go through a period of struggle and a period of failure. So just be mm -hmm. for young goalies too. Like when you're trying new stuff or, um, you know, you're not used to certain plays, just, you know, got to practice that patience, got to practice that grit. Um, once you get used to certain patterns, that's what the brain is good at is recognizing patterns. Um, you'll get that pattern recognition and then you'll start mm -hmm. reading plays more efficiently, but it just comes down to just repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, you got to learn, you got to fail, you got to try again and then uh, reevaluate, you know, you got to, right. uh, you got to be able to um, kind of grit through the uncomfortableness of learning. Right. I've not been good at it and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, got to have patience. You got to have that growth mindset, believe that you can, you know, you can kind of get to the other side um, and just, uh, and just, you, you, you know, I'm going to sound repetitive here, but you just got to get repetitions in certain situations. Yeah. And then as long as you're just continually to watch, watch the game, watch the teams that you play, um, continue to learn, you know, the learning never stops. So just have that mindset of like, I'm going to try to learn something new today. If it's just one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, so yeah. Good. Sorry. Like, would you say you say game situations is that you were kind of referring to like put variability into your drills? Yeah. So when I'm structuring a drill, it's like I'll have, you know, uh, we'll have a pass, some sort of shot release or a pass with like a one timer. 
and mm-hmm. then off of that shot, then it's kind of anything goes. So then right. you're able to, okay, we have the structure in our drill with the skill set we're trying to work on, but we also have the unpredictability of the game inserted into the same drill. And then you're right. able to work on compete, a little bit of fun um, element to that too. And I think that's kind of where you can integrate, okay, I'm working on skill and structure, but I'm also able to work on kind of those one-off saves with the unpredictability of, okay, after this puck, it's anything goes. Right. If there's three guys on the ice, you know, I don't care if they, if they make, you know, three th- slot line passes in a row, you find a way to battle to keep the puck out, you know, and then, and then you're putting your goaltender in a, in a headspace of um, trying to make creative solutions under pressure. Right. And, and then, you know, finally you mentioned mental strength, obviously, um, you know, me being a, a several inches shorter than you and, and us, you know, being relatively undersized compared to the average NHL goalie. But obviously the mental side of the game is in, is just incredibly uh, important. I mean, I think we both can attest to that's maybe been uh, one of our strongest muscles throughout our careers. But what do you think is one of the most important mental aspects of goaltending to develop from a young age? Uh, for me, it's definitely patience. Um, I, yeah. uh, you know, we talked about it earlier when, when I was just assessing my the early part of my pro career, but um, – patience and then you know uh, the element of grit of being able to to uh, get through struggle um you gotta have that self-belief uh, that intrinsic motivation to to get through that you know and then what's going to help doing that though where if you feel like you have a plan um like i said have your systems in place mentally and and your systems of action and uh and you'll feel like you'll have a plan and that's going to give you confidence and then you know when that adversity comes um, you know, you're going to be able to react accordingly to it. So, but, but I think it all starts with patience. Um, we can't, you know, delay gratification is a, it's a great, uh, mental tool to get used to because it's going to help you not just with hockey, but outside of life too. And, um, but it's just going to help you grit through those, those, uh, periods where, man, I, you know, the coach is screwing me or I deserve to play, yeah. but I'm not playing, you know? dwelling on the things that you can't control and uh, and being able to make the most of your opportunity. Cause if you can make the most of your opportunity, when it feels like you're in struggle, um, when things are going well, things are going to go really well for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, JP, you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Yeah, just stay curious. Um, the game is uh, forever evolving. Um, the goaltending is always ahead of the curve with, new ideas i think goaltenders exhibit the most openness out of any athlete we're always trying to adapt create new ideas of thinking playing the game so just stay curious um i'm envious of the goalies coming up now because you have access to unlimited information um sometimes it's information overload though eh? (laughs) it can be but filter out the stuff that works for you and then find people that are in your corner coaches that um that you value um, surround yeah. yourself with um, teammates and friends that um, help you feel empowered, that help get you to where you want to go. And then, you know, um, ultimately learn how to create a great daily schedule. If you get good at scheduling your day, uh, there's a great quote that I read was, um, how you spend your day is how we live our lives. So get really good at scheduling your day and you're going to, mm. you know, you're going to be able to, uh, to, 
take this position, take the game of hockey as far as you want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, buddy, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, man. And, and congrats on uh, an absolutely stellar career an amazing journey, man. Very much well-deserved and appreciate you coming on, sharing all the lessons and secrets, you know, you've uncovered throughout your career. And I know everyone today is going to love the conversation. Amazing combo, man. Uh, can you just let people know where they can get in touch with you online? Yeah. Um, everyone can follow me at JPL goaltending on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, if you're interested in watching some dusters in Europe play, uh, my team is EC Salzburg Red Bull. And uh, we'll be playing Champions League <laughs> games here at the end of August. So, uh, yeah, you can find us, uh, find us, uh, our team uh, online. Yeah, well, so go check out uh, Jean-Philippe Lamoureux and, and all the all the mentioned links will be available in the show notes for everyone to check out. And he's experienced tons of success at the next level for over 20 years now and uh, still going strong. And I know he has an incredibly bright future ahead of him, but maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, dude, if that's something that interests you. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully, uh, you know, this inspires other goaltenders uh, like myself or coaches to uh, to get on the podcast and just share information because I think the audience that you have are the, the type of people that you know, they, they're open. They want the, they're hungry for the information. Right. They want to get better. So I just want to be a small piece of contributing to uh, quality goalie information and, and mindset stuff that can help, uh, help young goalies. Yeah, I know. We appreciate it, man. I mean, like I said, amazing conversation and, and the show is uh, I'm the host of the show, but the show and goalie hacks is, is so much bigger than me. And uh, you know, it really is the goal of the show is really to just collect all of the best answers in, in the world. You know, guys play the game differently, different journeys and stuff like that. And we're trying to just shed some light on that, man. So I'm, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. You good luck as uh, we roll into the summer. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to smash that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have the 2021 NCAA Division I Mike Richter Award winner coming on the show. And that's Jack LaFontaine, uh, who's had an incredible journey definitely worth discussing filled with ups and downs uh, but nonetheless jack has come out on top this season as division one college's best goaltender and i can't wait for you guys to hear this convo uh, jack is is such a nice and, and focused individual you guys are going to love it so make sure to tune back next week without further ado here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the goalie hacks podcast and just as a note here if you enter into this giveaway even if you don't win uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, NeuroTracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the, future, the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com 
or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week. Oh,